What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Picking Corners, a box lacrosse channel production. We're pumped to have you back today, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, everybody in the universe. Welcome back to the greatest box lacrosse channel podcast you're ever going to find. The only right now, but also still the greatest. Uh, you got myself, Tucker LaBelle, Cammy Mack on here. Garrett is out with some healing tonsils right now. He's trying to eat ice cream, trying to heal up for the box season. And we also have a big NLL guest on the pod today joining us for this segment as well. We should add who this third voice is coming in here. George Downey. George, say what's up to the people. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on here. It's a, it's a big, big welcome. Uh, big lacrosse star is a, is an interesting title for me, so I'll take it. Well, it's it's awesome, though, because we were just talking a minute ago about you being our first uh, American-born guest. And I think that's, I mean, that's that's huge. That's huge in the box world. We'll get into that more later, I know for sure. But um, it's it's relatable to a lot of young American players, which I, I think is awesome to have somebody with with that storyline and can't wait to dive into that more. I got a lot of American based questions um, and uh, I, I know your route is nothing but entertaining. So we'll, we'll get to that. Cam, Cam, what's up, man? What's going on, dude? It's a big week for us in the terms of uh, Whitney Young lacrosse this week. We've got three matchups. Um, we, we won last night against Kenwood. Um, which, Tucker, you said you were going to come to that game. I looked for you on the sideline. I didn't see a, a tall, slender man uh, peering over the fence. So I just want to point out, one of my kids that I have signed is on that team. So, <laughs> Oh, that's you should have told him to score some more goals, brother. We won 12-6. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it's, it's good. It was honestly a little frustrating because, uh, you know, like I said last week, CPS is, is kind of an interesting animal where the kids go on spring break, right? They don't stick around. You know, when I was in high school – we would actually go on a spring break trip and, and, you know, go to St. Louis and play teams there or at least practice, right? Everyone else is going on trips and we're all stuck back at home or, or, you know, taking a trip to, to shitty St. Louis to play some teams. But uh, it's, it's weird because, you know, every year I'm trying to tell these kids like, Hey, don't plan to go on spring break. Don't plan to go. And then, the week before, everyone's like, oh, sorry, you know, we're going out of town to visit Meemaw and, you know, whatever. And it's like, God, <laughs> there's pretty much nothing I can do about it, right? So I wasn't sure what to expect when we got back this week. But uh, we played, you know, pretty decent, a little bit of a slow start, but to be expected. And we've got some pretty big matchups coming up. Um, we played the Paul Prep on Thursday, which is a, a pretty decent program. And then we've got Neuqua Valley, uh, which, you know, some of our coaches actually went there and, and played for that coach. So. Um, you know, in terms of lacrosse, it, it, nothing slows down here. Um, and just kind of to segue right into the topic that I wanted to, to bring up was recently saw that the PLL is partnering with the NABLL, which I thought, well, I just have a lot of thoughts on it. And I'm just going to jump right into it. And then I want to hear George and Tucker what you guys have to say. Um, it, it, I I kind of was, I just like everybody was probably surprised. Um, if you're not part of the NABLL, I'm sure... It wasn't something that was advertised or talked a lot about. I didn't know about it until they announced it. And for me, it's just interesting because my first thought goes to like, why is it the PLL and not the NLL, right? Um, I, I am all for wanting to create more relationships, grow the game, that whole thing, right? Like that is the number one thing about this podcast and everybody that comes on, you know, agrees with that notion as well. But I just, it kind of confuses me why you would partner a field 
uh, professional league with a, with a box senior A league. Right. Um, and, and again, I think it's great for just the notoriety of the sport and to kind of get more exposure, but I mean, how, how is that partnership going to break down? Are we going to have, you know, PLL guys come to the NABLL games and, and, you know, potentially like do sponsorships that way. Or, you know, I think I saw in their release that the PLL is offering like discounted tickets or something to like their games for NABLL players, which don't get me wrong. That's cool. Like anything that you can do to partner on is great. I just, is it more show just, just like something to stir up some conversation about the PLL or is it actually something that they're going to do to, you know, try to increase that exposure for, you know, senior A and box across in America. That that's where I'm coming from, I guess. Yeah. I have opinions on that. <laughs> oh, you no, you go. No, I, I think this, I think your opinion is probably George. I think this is probably a good, good opinion. Um, so I want to hear yours first before I chime in. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to vote and not to be pessimistic. I'm going to vote on the latter of those where it's mostly just PR stunt. Like it's, it's there to do the whole, Hey, you can get discounted tickets because essentially the I think PLL and potentially yeah PLL and the NLL partner with ULAX as well and it's like you're not seeing anything outside of just discount tickets it's just supporting the game and supporting the post collegiate leagues that are out there and like you said that that senior A senior C senior B whatever type of American league it is um, I think it's mainly just supporting supporting the game I don't think they're gonna really do anything outside of that and it's like obviously we still want to see the PLL kind of link up a little bit more with the NLL. I think that'll come with time um, and it'll most likely come with, with money. That's probably going to be the main driver is making sure that they both are going to ha- have a win-win situation that they can both be profitable from it. But it's probably mostly just for show. What, what's keeping the NLL or even, I guess, the PLL from truly investing in, I don't even want to call it like a feeder program. I just turned my TV on, but. Uh, not like a feeder program, but just these leagues that are in their backyards where they could, you know, invest in the the NABLL or the BLL or, you know, any really senior A leagues and actually have a partnership. I, I can't see how that would that would be a detriment to their league. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Do you think that there's something that's holding them back from doing that? Money. I would, <laughs> I, that, It's going to be yeah. almost entirely money driven is my best guess. I mean, we, that's what I was hoping the the PBLA was going to be for the NLL, and that's kind of I got. We can we'll get into it when I go to the interview. But like I was, I got drafted by the Trenton team, and I was like fully committed to go and playing this before the NLL opportunity came. But it was being sold as a hey, we're going to partner with the NLL. We want to kind of treat this as a feeder program and develop American talent. And then something got crossed as once the draft happened in between that first month of all the signings, where it's like, no, we're going to try to compete with the NLL. And then everything kind of with every team leagues have tried doing that before. And it's not really a good route right now, just because, I mean, the NLL is still trying to find forever fans and like the normal people who don't have lacrosse experience to come check out the game. So it's like not really a good, you don't really want to go be competitive in that market because there's barely any money out there to, to make. Yeah, true. I mean, Riley O'Connor was on our show last week and he's talking about, you know, his like big thing now is trying to get as many Americans to come play for him and the juniors. Right. And like really trying to find good American talent. So it's there. Right. Then and, and the yeah. I, I guess the accessibility to it is, uh, you know, more prevalent than ever. So. I feel like it would be a no brainer for the, you know, the wings to partner with uh 
some sort of senior A team in the area or a, a senior A league that plays in Philadelphia, something like that. And how much money do you have to put into it, right? What if you just throw your name on it and you have people show up to the games and, you know, do like a meet and greet? I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But Tucker, what are your thoughts on on this kind of partnership here? Well, I mean, it, I guess I'll, I'll first address the NABLL partnership. Um, I, I think your question about the PLL with the NLL is – uh, for me, it's like opening a whole different can of worms. Um, like I could, I could go into some depth, I think from a business perspective on why I think you're not seeing that happen as much. I will say the, the shared interest, I think between the two now is definitely the ESPN deal. Um, I think that having a shared interest between those two is, is important to the world of lacrosse for, for viewing games that now somebody can get an ESPN, um, plus subscription and, you know, you can put on, PLL games in the PLL season, you can put on NLL games, in the NLL season. So from a viewer perspective, having that bridge that connects them is bigger than people realize um, to have one entity, one sports network owned by Disney, obviously um, coming together under ESPN. That's huge. That's huge for the game. And there's more implication. I think that's positive than negative there um, from the PLL NABLL, I guess, before I get further down that rabbit hole, the NABLL and PLL, partnership uh, i'm kind of with george i i think it's a pr thing um that's really probably more positive pr for the nabll i don't i mean obviously the pll for a long time has wanted to try to create better connections in the box or appear i think appear that they're trying to make better connections is kind of what i see it as so i think that maybe be a little bit of good pr but I, it's kind of the same thing as ulax i agree um i mean I, i'm i guess i'll briefly just read through the couple lines that are important in this press release uh, the Premier Lacrosse League, powered by Ticketmaster, uh, today announced a partnership with the North American Box Lacrosse League, known as the NABLL, to expand access to professional lacrosse throughout PLL's 2023 season. Now, I, I will say I, my first thing I do, I do have a beef with this press release, and I think it shadows into what I'm kind of touching on. Expand access to professional lacrosse. It's that's not the only you can't just say this is professional crossing specified field, please. I mean, you could say that that's what we're doing, like we're expanding yeah. access to professional lacrosse. So I, don't know. Yeah, I, mean, but I think the most important line comes into here through the partnership. NABLL players will have access to exclusive ticket deals and fan experiences at PLL games nationwide to continue expanding access to the sport and build lacrosse fandom by highlighting NABLL plays play across the country. So from a social media perspective, this could play very well for the NABLL by reaching a newer audience. It could get to kids who have never seen box lacrosse before, who are now seeing NABLL stuff on the PLL social media, yet to see what the social media side of it is. But the biggest plus for the NABLL that could come from this is positive publicity on social media, because one PLL post has so many content interactions that could reach a whole new audience for the NABLL. So good on them for that. That's a smart one all around. Um, the most important thing that I'm seeing in here is one that I don't think a lot of people realize. This was all done between the PLL and the NABLL executive director, Rachel Anderson. Rachel is out of Minnesota in the Minneapolis area. One of the biggest stops for the NABLL or for the PLL throughout the summer is Minneapolis. So there's some vested interest, I think, for Rachel to make this deal happen because there is a lot of NABLL players in the Minneapolis area. So they're going to get people to that event alone without trying. Like that's going to be huge just having ticket sales there. To sum it up, though, I, I do think it's more of a PR deal. I, I'm, I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible. 
most guys who are in the NABLL are in very different playing shape than guys who are in the PLL. <laughs> two different skill sets, man. They're two different. There's a reason I like playing box lacrosse more than field. Let's just say that. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't think they're going to exactly draft guys from the NABLL. Um, are there guys in the NABLL who are former PLL players or were in the draft pool? Yes, there is already a connection there um, between several of these teams, but I don't, I don't think there's any direct connection there. So I'd say look for the social media interaction to be the most and ticket sales being driven for the PLL specifically in the Minneapolis region. Um, so, so I, I like your take because it's not something I thought of, but the fact that I, that this could be beneficial for one party and not as much so the other, because yeah. if, if me as just a regular lacrosse fan can potentially, and us on this call or this, this podcast obviously can, can see from the PLL side that it's kind of like just a weak attempt at like some better PR. I I think it's, it sounds like it's great for the NABLL, right? It sounds like there's, there's some benefits there that you wouldn't get, you know, partnering with just a typical sponsorship, right? Like being uh, a professional lacrosse sponsor, you know, with your own lacrosse league, it, it does have some, some kind of good, you know, after effects or, or whatnot, but I just, I, does it this almost, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like, do you think it could hurt the PLL to just seem, have this seem like it's like a lazy attempt to just trying to drive like more ticket well, sales? It, there, there's a danger. There's um there's an image protection danger to the NA or to the PLL from a box perspective, because there's, and they, they don't want to have to go do um, image repair. They, they want to avoid that as much as possible. And, I mean, the, the, the one consistency across all senior, I say that in parentheses, box leagues across the U.S. for men is leadership, actual business sense, and longevity. Um, I mean, the IBLA had a lot of success when they had success, and then everything turned into a flaming ball, and I saw it unfold in front of me in Florida. Um, but I think the danger is if the NABLL is around for a while and they do a really good job treating players correctly, people, fans, everybody, if there's a positive momentum behind the NABLL, that will then be shared by the PLL because the box community is much smaller than the field community in the U S. So that small box community, if there's a good word to spread, it will spread over to the field community at some point. But if things don't go well for the NABLL, then that's when it could become a little bit dangerous to the PLL. So there's, there is, there's more implication than I think people realize that I, I think it's all fascinating from a business side. I love the business of sports. So I think this is more interesting than not. I, if I could give the PLL one shout out on one thing they've done correctly, it's engaging in communities that haven't been reached before. Um, I mean, I've been nothing but impressed to see these PLL academies pop up. I mean, we have, we have PLL players coming as part of this PLL Academy to Iowa multiple times a year now. And that's something that you never would have seen before. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Like, like up until uh, probably two years ago when it started, like I would go out and I would be not the expert, but I would be a guy that knew stuff because I played college lacrosse. Now you bring in a PLL guy to middle of nowhere, Iowa. And it's awesome because these kids can aspire. They can look at somebody, they can connect to somebody. So the PLL has done an incredible got incredible job on community engagement. I think this furthers that my brief take on the PLL and the NLL. I, I'm going to say it now and man, the box people are going to love it. And the field people are going to hate it. I think the PLL has some fear of the NLL. Um, I think that the, the PLL 
I think saves a lot more money than people realize in their tour based model. Um, they have low cost. They're not renting facilities for an entire year. Um, their upfront is very low. I mean, they, they source a lot of local volunteers at each event they go to. They do a really good job at keeping costs low and making margins high where the NLL in the really good markets. And I'll, I think I'll use Buffalo as an example. Buffalo kills it, man. Buffalo does a really good job, but they are putting more money up front than the PLL is to go tour stop, tour stop. So I think that they do conflict a little bit in the tour-based model compared to the stationary model. I, as a lacrosse fan, I love the stationary home model. This is my team. This is who I'm pulling for. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm a, I'm a Cleveland guy. Uh, I'm an Ohio sports guy. Yeah, I live in Iowa now, but I will always be an Ohio sports guy. I don't care what sports team Ohio gets. I'm pulling for him. Like, I don't care what sports team. I have learned to understand soccer because of the Columbus crew, man. And it's the same thing. When you have, when you have good entities in states where people buy in regardless of sport, there's a huge, huge, huge plus to that right there. So I do think there's a little bit of fear from the PLL towards the NLL. Um, I will also say that from my understanding, and I guess, George, you may have more insight on this. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the well-supported NLL teams are owned by the same parent as an NH or as an NHL franchise. So for like the Colorado Mammoth, if you go to a Colorado Mammoth game, you walk in that arena in Denver, you walk in everything they're doing. You're like, this is dope. Like there's a lot of great stuff happening here. You're getting the full experience. You go in the gift shop. There's mammoth stuff everywhere, right next to avalanche stuff all game. I bought a mammoth hat at an avalanche game. It was there. So you can see that there's, there's crossover. There's crossover because it's the same parent company owning the avalanche and the mammoth. So there's also that sense that there's one entity owning two, sharing the success between both. That was also the case between the Denver Broncos and the um, Denver outlaws for a long time as well in the old, um, what was that? MLL. Wow. That's so long ago. MLL. Day. So <laughs> there's a lot, the, the models are so different. If I had to look at one of these now and be like, which one's going up in the next 10 years, who am I putting money into with growth? I am going NLL all day, every day. Cause man, you put a good salesperson in front of an NHL franchise and be like, we'll fill your arena in the off season. We'll, we'll put it at, we'll put it at 30% capacity. There is money to be made there. So I'm like, that's me. That's me. Okay. Across business mind turned off boys. <laughs> All right. I, you, this is a big one for me. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we always come prepared with topics and typically we touch on a lot, but I think it's, I think it's great to just let the conversation flow because it, it, we haven't really talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about field versus box, but we haven't talked about professional league versus professional league. Right. And, and to your point with the NHL, partnerships i literally saw an ad yesterday where it was like the two vancouver mascots you know talking about recycling like with waste management you know and that's a big for an nll team to partner with waste management i think that's a pretty pretty good sponsor right like that's a that's a big time gig there so i i totally agree i i initially liked the model with the pll traveling around i still do but are they consistently getting 15,000 fans like the bandits are at, you know, every, every city that they visit? I'm not sure. I, I don't know those metrics and I'm not sure what the, the costs come out to, but I think with your, your um, point about loyalty, it's really tough to get behind the archers or the chaos or, you know, just like random team that you really don't have any connection to. Whereas if they put a, a box team or a PLL team in Chicago, I don't care if they're literally the worst team in the league. Like I'm, 
I'm there. I'm like all over it, you know? And I, yeah. a lot of people would be too, just because they have family. Yeah. It's with the PLO, you have to find, you have to do your research to, to really become associated with a, a team or a club. But I, I'm going to be honest in all the years of the PLL, I've had a really hard time adapting as a fan to really wanting to watch them and feel for them over and over again. Like, for me, the logical answer is like the Redwoods because uh, I grew up as a kid, you know, watching Kyle Harrison play for the Ohio machine. So there's some, there's some loyalty there or Nat St. Laurent is, you know, a coach in Ohio. So I'm going to find some loyalty there, but you have to search for your loyalty a little bit more. I think it appeals probably a little bit better to a younger audience. Um, yeah. for those, those freak fans, like those guys on Twitter who own a hundred jerseys from every PLL team. I know one guy in particular, I love him to death and he does a great job at it, but it, takes a, it takes a certain person to really get behind the PLL for that. Um, I also, while we're still on this field topic and I think it's a good one, we got two, we got two international events to kind of touch on one just got released news wise and one's coming up here very, very soon. Um, men's world games championship, San Diego, uh, it, June 21st through July 1st, Snapdragon stadium, Joe size, uh, I think related to the stadium in some ownership way, there's some great lacrosse stuff happening out there on the field side. The international game is going to thrive, I think, out there this summer. I actually just got my email back today saying that I got slotted for a volunteer spot as a game official. So I get to sit in the oh, side nice. and keep things going. So I was like, I wanted to get in as a coach, and I had a few teams I was trying to work with that. But I think if people are listening, I think I'm going to make it to the World Games this summer and be Oh, involved. we got to go pro you up, brother. We got to mic you up for sure. I do. You want to bite me up with that? Uh, I absolutely do. That is just, for exact, that not, exact reason. They, they better not put me on the field with the lower nations. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, ground <laughs> ball. Um, no, so awesome, awesome World Games news right there. Um, the I think the more important World Games news to us and to this podcast being a box-centered podcast is the World Games for Box, the World Box Championship is happening I think what it, it was officially released today, right? I can talk about it. Yeah, I, I, there's an article out. We're good. We can- there's an article out. Good. That's all. That's all that matters. That's Utica, good. Utica, Utica, New York. Um, cool spot in New York. Box championships next year, 2024. I'm saying it right now. I will try to find my way onto a roster. I'm going to work every. I think I'm honestly going to try to play for Scotland. I think that like I know that they have a decent program, and I, I don't know what their box team looks like, but I know. Are you they Scottish? Have- I am Scottish, yes. Most Might as well, yeah. That's what I, I mean. Why not? Like that would be a dream come true, right? Like, I, you know, I I I have witnessed guys um, who I play with with who have represented France, Israel, you know, like uh, just different countries in general. I had yeah. a player, a guy that I played college with, actually play uh, over for I think England or Scotland or you know one of those uh, uh, East or European countries or whatnot, right? Um, and I just seems like a really cool opportunity. And I honestly wouldn't care if we just got our doors blown off every game. Like it would just be sweet to say that like Tucker does all the time, like, Oh, I matched up against Isaiah Davis Allen. Like, you know, so it'd be sweet to be able to jump on that train too. George, do you know of a lot of guys who are interested in, in being a part of those international, um, you know, tournaments and, and kind of championships? Um, I think they're kind of in the same boat you are. And essentially me, I don't have any type of like, I'm Italian and German, but I'm too far out of the range to qualify to be a member. So like I got invited to go out to, I think it was Israel. 
during those games to play with Team Bulgaria because like oh, the sick. the new nations that come into it are allowed to have a certain number of American players to fill it in. But like the only issue is like I have to pay my own way and you have to pay like two grand to help pay for the other actual national guys to to be able to come and play. So it's like a little bit outside my price range. Um, but like, that's something that we can kind of look into now, especially with it being in Utica, New York, it's something that's close by look around for those kind of new teams that are going to be coming for their first year who are trying to fill out rosters, who are going to have X number that are actually native to that country or descendants of them. Uh, but they're going to be allowed to have a few spots of Americans that can come in and fill. And then it's a really good tournament to actually play in. Myself and my little brother haven't got a chance to. We're hoping to, to sneak a invitation to the, the USA tryouts whenever they come up in the next year to 2024 to hopefully try to make a run at it. Just It's going to be less competitive than trying out for an NLL roster. I'll tell you that much because there's not as many Americans going for it. But um It'll be an interesting. I'm pumped to have it come back, and I know it got delayed a year because of COVID. So, I'm excited. Pumped, pumped. That's the word. No, true that. Yeah, man. It's. I think you're right. I think. I. I, I guess. So I'm taking 30 seconds. I'm taking 30 That's seconds. That's fine. For, then we're gonna get to George's interview because. Yeah. Before before I do this, so those who do not understand um, world games lacrosse and how these kind of things work. Uh, George, you alluded it to right there, is that the new nations can uh, bring on X amount of Americans, non-passport holders, um, to come play for them. And that's why uh, I think a lot of people are often confused when they tune into an international game and they see a guy and they're like, wait a minute, that's not his country. Um, there, there's there's ways around it. There's ways to do it. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, I actually, it's interesting you talk about the Italian side. I So I lived in Italy for a year and played in their league and then ended up getting invited to go play in one of their training camps. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not Italian. And they're like, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll figure it <laughs> out. And so that's when I was like, okay, so it doesn't really work the way people think when they're watching. So it's not, it's not like the Olympics. I guess that's the way I always want to tell people is it's not like the Olympics. Um, box is not going into the Olympics as of right now. So if you're interested in eligibility, player eligibility, that kind of stuff, there's a lot of really good stuff on it. I actually, the way I would direct people, if you're if you're curious about eligibility in the World Games for lacrosse, um, Team Ireland does a really good job outlining what eligibility is, how far out you can be, what it means. So if you go to like the Team Ireland lacrosse website, they have an eligibility tab, and it gives you a great breakdown of all the rules, understanding that kind of stuff. Like that's where I was going to go with it because I technically could be a passport holder of Ireland because they have the longest they accept the most people essentially. Like I have a great grandfather from there. Um, but that doesn't mean you're eligible necessarily unless you get the passport to play for team Ireland. So there's so many different stipulations and rules, but if you're interested as a listener and you want to get involved in world lacrosse, I would 100% urge you to get involved in international lacrosse, go fly somewhere for three weeks, go play in a local league, go play in the country and the connections you'll make, the people you'll meet, the memories you'll be left with are are priceless. Like I, I was 16 years old taking a, a train from Milan to Rome for a game. Like that was the coolest thing in my entire life. So if anyone's interested in international lacrosse, get out there. The world needs more international box players. And that's my, that's my take. Agreed. All right. You ready for your interview, George? Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm gonna be honest. We we always give people a, a nickname, right? And it's typically falls on Garrett's shoulders. Um, he he definitely does it 
justice a lot better than I'm going to, but I feel like I'm pretty clever and creative as well. So if you're still with us on this podcast, our interview today is with George Downey of the Philadelphia Winks, um, our first American born player. I George Downey the fourth, right? That's there you go. So yep. I think King George is is a good nickname if we're gonna there is actually a Scotch. King George the Fourth is actually a Scotch out there. Highly Perfect. recommend you try it. Perfect. So King George it is. That's that's our yeah. nickname today for, for George. I'm really excited to have you on, not just because you know you're you're passionate about the game and and part of the NLL, but uh, you know, a little bit more relatable to to kind of us and, and some guys that are in our shoes just playing, you know, senior A and and trying to, you know, grow the game in America and all that that kind of good stuff, right? So to kick things off, I, I would love for you to just brief is a relative word, but I'd like for you to give kind of a brief just once over of your kind of journey, right? With how you, you know, where you went to college, how you got into box lacrosse you know, how you ended up um, traveling around and playing and then ultimately ended up on the links, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go quick as I can, cause I can go into detail. Um, started playing lacrosse in ninth grade um, in Palmyra, Pennsylvania, right outside Hershey PA. It was the second year of the program. Um, we were a club sport for four years in high school. So we never actually became a varsity sport until after I graduated. Didn't really get recruited too much um, throughout a lot of kind of, prospective athletes to a bunch of D3 schools. And like, I knew I wasn't good enough to play D1. So I didn't even worry about that. And even that some of the D3 schools I was throwing out there, I was like, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Cause like I've only been playing for four years. Um, ended up getting, um, I committed to go to Marywood university, uh, coach McGrant at the time, it was a, the first year of the program. So that was like easy sell for me to be able to most likely try to start for four years versus coming into an established program, most likely sitting for two years, and then then get to play. Um, so help start that program at Marywood University. Um, coach Grant now coaches at Bridgewater and our assistant coach was Scott Daglish. She coaches at RPI, still stay in contact with them. They were honestly fantastic to start like teaching me the actual game. And I tell coach Grant all the time, he got real lucky recruiting me because like he didn't see me play before I committed. Um, and I ended up turning out to be a really good player by the end of the year doing, uh, taking face offs and, and scoring a bunch of points. So I think I'm still the only face off guy slash midi to get two awards for the same position for different positions in conference so i got honorable mention specialty player essentially honorable mention for being top 10 in the nation for face-offs and then scoring 95 career points on offense i was always first time first team midi in our conference um so being able to get two awards and after that they kind of nixed it you're only allowed to win one award so i was like all right well i'll take that that's a nice little notoriety piece of it um after i graduated moved back home um kept wanting to play play lacrosse ended up discovering box lacrosse a little bit more in detail by going to uh the u.s lacrosse coaching convention meeting johnny meridian there who was the gm of the wings at the time talking his ear off a lot uh kind of talked my way into a 2011 rookie nl wings training camp um so i remember it was me kevin crowley because he's my year as well um and i'm just like i don't I shouldn't be here. I am incredibly not good enough for this. I'm not wearing the correct pads, um, but he gave me a chance. And I, that's kind of when I got really hooked in the box um, and started like looking for better spots to play in and to learn as much as I can, because obviously being in central Pennsylvania, it's not really the best spot. Um, and especially me helping kind of create some leagues. Like we had a field league that was there over the summer, the Harrisburg lacrosse league. Um, that was kind of the best we really could get. 
so I was traveling down to Baltimore to play down in the Baltimore Indoor League. That's where I met Ginny. Um, I'm gonna, I always butcher, butcher her last name, her Italian last name. Uh, but she's one of the best I've ever met. Right? There you go. Yeah. Love Ginny. I'm actually going to be hanging out with her in a couple of weeks when we put on our, our girls clinic for the wings, uh, which will be, which will be fun, but would play down there, started learning defense with her. Um, and then ended up moving out to the Philadelphia area. Cause obviously Philly last is a little bit more established, played a lot more field, tried chasing the, the pro outdoor, um, like camps and, and like try out things and nothing ever turned up for that, but ended up getting connected with a guy named PJ Martin who ran the laser sharks um, like the year before the wings came back to Philly. Um, and that's when I was like, all right, like if I'm going to do this, I, I've been getting up there in age. I'm like this, I'm going to go hard at this and see what I can pull off. Like playing as many tournaments as I can all over the the Eastern seaboard, um, meeting a bunch of local American guys and try to get a little bit more experience. And everybody's like, yeah, dude, like you're playing really well. Like I think you might have a chance. And I'm like talking to like Alex Turner, who's a, former NLL pro and he's like dude you you play good like you might be able to actually like crack this if, if expansion happens so I was like cool let's let's take it as far as I can um went to the Philadelphia combine that they had in 2018 it was the NLL combine me and my bro- little brother went um we did pretty well my little brother got first overall in all the athletic testing I think I got like sixth um and then I did well enough to pique Clarkie's interest of uh the New England Black Wolves Unfortunately, he already had four righty forwards at the time. So he's like, we just don't have any room for you. Uh, but I think he might have put in a good word with me to uh, TK, who was the assistant coach of the Wings at the time. Um, so I ended up getting an email from Coach Day saying, hey, we're going to invite you to the training camp for 2018. I was like, that's awesome. Like, I've worked so hard to get to this. It's awesome. Can't wait. A couple of days later, I get an email from the Players Association that we're on strike. I was like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great news. Like a bunch I was like, of Can Starbucks I be a scab? baristas just walking out of the job. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm happy to be a scab. Like, this is my only opportunity. I 100% will take it. Um, long story short on that, we ended up getting a, a new collective bargaining agreement in place. Um, and unfortunately, camp got condensed down. So Coach Day had to let go of a couple of the other newer guys that they wanted to give a look at um so didn't get get a chance to actually attend a training camp that year so played some winter box lacks around the philly area steel yard sports philly box league over Voorhees. um and then next year comes around and i'm still pushing it i think the i was playing the ibla at that point uh with the philly funk and then i actually got invited to the new england black wolves training camp clark he had a, some openings to actually invite me so that was the first time actually going to an NLL training camp. Went up, nervous as hell. Went with the uh, the Mohegan Sun uh, Arena. The Mohegan Sun Casino owned the team at the time. Phenomenal ownership group because they like took really good care of us. Took the Amtrak up, black car to uh, the hotel. Got to eat at amazing restaurants inside the hotel and kind of play for, for two days essentially. Unfortunately, got let go after that. But uh, the GM, Rich List, gave me a call. He's like, hey, like... I wanted to give you a call first. Like you did really well. Like typically Americans will come in here and this is their first time doing it. And honestly, they'll embarrass themselves. They're just like obviously out of their depth and not understand the game and, and, and some of the nuances of it. You came up, you didn't embarrass yourself. You, there's definitely a spot in this league, especially with expansion coming. If you keep working at it, if you get to Canada and get that that better experience and learn more of the nuances of it. So he's like, keep, keep trying, man, like do it up. Um, so I was really invigorated at that point. So I was like, all right, like, no one's told me I can't, so I'm going to keep pushing at this and see what I can do. 
utilizing all the different leagues I know about in the States to kind of do it. But then I was like, all right, how can I get to Canada? Cause that's obviously the way to do it. And that was in 2019 was planning on going out to out West um, to play with my buddy, Eric Turner, who plays for Colorado. Uh, I met him playing in uh, the AHM over in the Czech Republic. Tucker is really excited about going in that. We'll have to have another podcast to go into the, the AHM, which I'm, I can speak so highly. I've loved that tournament. If you can get, get a chance to go play, go play. Um, so I was going to go out West in 2020 with me and my little brother, go play with Alex with, uh, Coquitlam. Uh, unfortunately COVID hit that got canceled. Uh, so we ended up doing the IBLA again that summer, won the IBLA national championship with the, the Philadelphia punk, which was a good time. Tucker, it was not running as efficiently as it could have even back then. Uh, so we kind of saw the, the red lights or the red flags coming up at, at that point too. Um, and then 2021, Summer got canceled again. I don't think, I think we tried to play in the IBLA and the, the Philadelphia Funk didn't make it to the, the Florida one. And then we were actually glad the Florida one, we didn't make it there because that just was a nightmare. Um, and then 20, 2022, I actually got to go out West. Um, so I was practicing with Coquitlam for about a month and a half, ended up kind of getting like released from them, uh, just mainly because Coach Coyle was dealing with coaching Colorado at the time in the, the national championships so he didn't really get a chance to actually watch me play on offense with the team so he was like hey like i just don't know if you're as good or better or worse than our old guys so it's like you might be better off jumping on another team so ended up practicing with uh the broads one time and then nanaimo hit me up said they could give me housing so i ended up playing a bunch of games with the senior b north shore indians which is like kind of their partner senior b program um, and then right before I was going to start playing with Nanaimo and the senior age part, the housing fell through. So I ended up having to move back, um, to Philly, kept playing locally in the, the Philadelphia box across league, the PBLA, in my opinion. Um, and then heard the PBLA was coming out. So I was like, all right, I can at least go after this. Uh, ended up hitting coach day, trying to figure out cause he, the Philadelphia was ho- hosting a, uh, open tryout asked him what he was kind of looking for. He said he was looking for like younger D guys. So I was like, that's not me. Uh, I'll pass on the Philly part, but like, obviously, you know, hit me up if you need me. And then went to the Albany tryout because obviously with all their trades that happened, they kind of lost almost their entire offense except for a few guys. Uh, Went up there, went to the tryout Thursday night, got invited to the training camp the next day, did training camp with them the first weekend, got let go that Sunday. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to fully commit to the PBLA and kind of see what happens. And then obviously – the week of Thanksgiving, Coach Day gives me a call on Tuesday. And he's like, hey, we, one of our guys went down. Like, do you want to come up to Syracuse for our last weekend of a uh, training camp? We're playing uh, Georgia in an exhibition game at Onondaga. I was like, yeah, 100%. Went up there. Went into it with uh, pretty much an open mind. Like, I was like, Benny Mack went down with a concussion at the time. I was like, they're probably not going to – they probably just need a guy to play. So, it's like, I'm just going to go and have fun and play – like really good lacrosse and like make as much memories as I can and don't don't regret anything. Ended up scoring three goals, deed up Lyle Thompson and Andrew Q, which I was like, nah, somebody needs to switch with me immediately because this is not good like <laughs> at all. <laughs> like I should not be doing this. Um, but did pretty well. And then Monday comes around and he's like, hey, we're gonna send you a practice roster spot. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but yeah, I'm 100 down. Like let's do it. That's quite that's the str- fast. Yeah, that's the fast version of it. That's um, that's everything. It. That's a huge story. That's a huge story. Okay. I, so I have, I, I, that story is just, 
I mean, I see, I see what you're saying. That's the fast one. I know there's so many different great stories within the stories well, there. And to, to speak to that one, I had my intro call with George. It went over an hour, which typically when I'm talking to an NLL guy, it's less than 30 minutes, sometimes even less than 20 minutes. So, I mean, if you can't tell the guy's passionate about box lacrosse and especially wanting to see it succeed in America and represent, you know, from his own country. Right. And, I think one of the things that you really have to take away from that is just the journey as a whole. It's it's not your typical, I grew up in Whitby, played for the Warriors and got drafted in the NLL, right? Or like I played in Toronto or Peterborough or whatever. And, you know, I grew up playing box lacrosse my whole life. It's I didn't play box or I didn't play lacrosse in general until high school, which a lot it does still happen a lot in the U.S. And then I picked up box lacrosse something that I kind of fell into, fell in love with, and then did everything I absolutely could to claw my way onto a professional team. And I mean, that's, that's one of the coolest stories that I've heard from, a, you know, just a lacrosse perspective in general. Yeah. And I, like I was also going to point out, I mean, I just think the, I think the most unusual thing or one, and like, I think one of the biggest, most unusual parts in your journey that um, I think people probably recognize a lot is the fact that you played for, a D3 startup program in college. Like that's, I mean, you guys went nine and five in your first season. That's a lot better than most. Nah, 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 nah. Our conference, not that good. Okay. Cabrini okay. is the only good team in our conference and they dominate the conference. They've never lost a game in 16, 17 years at this point. The closest game was our senior year where we had them tied six, six in the fourth quarter and we lost nine, nine, six. That's okay. the closest game in that conference championship history ever yeah. okay. which is not a good thing to like hang our hats modest. <laughs> modest no but like i just i think that's the coolest storyline is like um you know i it's like myself and a lot of guys who are younger and um ch still chasing a lot of box dreams like we get so hung up on it's d1 or bust it's you have to go to Q's, you have to go to i mean rutgers you have to go to any of these big schools right and and p kids quit kids quit the chase and the journey so early once they realize they can't be D1. Um, I, I think there's so much to be said about your journey of being at a startup D3, you know, under recruited, following through this entire time, taking every option as a yes. Like you, you followed the yes theory to a T option to play. Yes. Can I go this weekend? Yes. Like you just took every route possible. And I think, I think that's the most important message of your journey to the younger audiences. It doesn't matter where you're at. It, it matters your drive, your willingness, how bad do you want it? You know, where do you want to end up? And it sounds like for you, it's like, I'm sure there were days you got down on yourself and you got upset with the way things are going and that kind of stuff. But the fact that you reflect on it now with, of, I took every opportunity I could to get to where I am today. That's dope. Like that's, that's the storyline I want to hear, man. That's freaking awesome. I did. Like I, I set out with this. It's like, I don't want to regret. And this is kind of like a life philosophy. I don't want to regret anything when I get older. And it's like, no one's even to date no one's told me that hey george you should probably hang it up you're just like you missed the boat and it's like i have a bunch of excuses like i wasn't born in canada i didn't understand the, the canadian box system and how it plays into the nll until the past few years like i just missed out on time and place and that type of thing but it's like you don't need to worry about the d1 d3 conversation especially for box lacrosse i mean no offense but dane doby is one of my favorite players and he's not a athletic specimen but he is phenomenal with his stick, like can catch anything, can shoot anything at any point in time. He's a threat and can score a goal. 
Um, and that's like a, one of the pros of like box across versus field across field across. You most likely have to go D one and you have to be a physical specimen where you're it's speed that kills. You're just running by people constantly, but box across, it's more of that, that close in tight five V five. You can just kind of have a couple quick feet or just be really smart and know where to be. Um, and that's kind of where my game has started to develop. Cause I'm to be completely honest, I'm a 33 year old rookie. Like I am, uh, I think I might be the oldest rookie ever in the league. Um, but it's like, I know the strengths of my game and I'm starting to utilize the nuances of it to understand how can I get open? How can I get in the middle and start throwing my body around to get Rezzy, Benny, Sam LeClaire open as well as jumping onto the other side and setting cross uh, picks for Mitch and blaze to, to be a role player. But also when I said that pick, roll to the cage, like be a threat. Cause like, you're going to get that ball, especially in you know, if you're open, that ball's coming fast. Like it's going to be there like without you really noticing it. And you got to be ready and to, to essentially catch it and finish it. Yeah. I think I gentlemen, I'm going to jump off here in the next couple of minutes. So everyone, if you stop hearing my voice, I got to go run a practice, but <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing in your storyline, I wanted to point out that I am not going to forget about it. I think you're destined for fame because of your, lacrosse journey where it started and the area you're from fame in a different way than people think warren ziders budding country music star very very well known right now grew up playing lacrosse in hershey pennsylvania and went the small college lacrosse route and then out of nowhere became a country music star overnight and he grew up playing lacrosse in hershey pennsylvania so there's probably what's his name warren ziders he is I gotta look this guy up. an artist, met him last year, mentioned lacrosse, didn't know he played lacrosse. And he's like, I played in Hershey. I'm from Hershey. And so there's your, your crossroads that all things that start in Hershey PA lacrosse are destined for fame. So touche, touche. That's my take. George, uh, appreciate your time. Cam, you guys keep this one rolling. Uh, I'm going to go blow some whistle and tell some kids. Sorry, to you're not going to bring up your, your case study. You gotta, you gotta have your case study question before you. you oh, do you know where this is going, man? Uh, I think so, but so if you, if you, so out of just curiosity, like we obviously we have to do our research and we have to kind of get some good backstories and you know. We're oh, no case study. Oh yeah, are you talking about the yeah my Viagra study that I had to do? <laughs> <laughs> I had to do. I did it for money. It was a paid volunteer. Oh, I love it. But this is yeah. like the most this is the most like college lacrosse story ever. Like Jonesy that- hit me up about that too. He he when he got traded into us, he got into our chat and all of a sudden he's like, George, care to tell us a little about this by Viagra study? I was like, first off, why are you Googling me right now? Like, how did you find this? I was like, oh, good it's like Lord. I'm talking, it's probably like top three yes. things. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a problem. Anyway, so I, I need to start scoring some more goals so that we can put that deeper into right, the, the search right. history. We're, we're not going to we're not going to dive too deep into it. But it was it was the perfect storyline to bring up that just ties right into college lacrosse players, the stuff you do, the studies you get into it, all that kind of stuff. So, Cam, thank you for bringing that up. I yeah, if I you mean, can you find know, it, they were trying to study if Viagra was, a you know, a PED there's a, a there's an E60 PED. story out on that too. I was interviewed by E60. If you can find, I'm still trying to find the video of that. My I think my mom recorded it back on like DVD or you something. Just, like that. You just challenge Tucker. He's gonna find it. Good luck. I I spent some time trying to look for it just to like show people because like I got interviewed for it and it was <laughs> kind of funny. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, 
Tucker, right. I know you got to go. I, I just have a couple more things for you, George, and then we'll kind of yeah. wrap things up here. But uh, I mean, in terms of, you know, so one of my kind of interesting questions is with being an American player in a Canadian sport, what is it like now being a minority on a team, right? Because I feel like, you know, in a, when you grow up playing just typically just sports in general in the U.S., you're playing with a lot of American players from your own, you know, town or community or state or whatnot. Right. So, and in my experience, I have, you know, played with kids from, you know, an international background, not most, not really lacrosse, but you know, other sports and whatnot. And I'm curious what your perspective is now being somebody who is not from that typical lacrosse Canadian background. How, how is it fitting in? You know, what is it like having a different perspective? What's that outlook? I'll give you two kind of perspectives of it. Like when I went out West, it was very interesting um, because like you're going and and the way senior A and senior B lacrosse is set up, like this is a county wide type of organization where it's like what we grow up as in America. It's like you play for your high school, you play for your one town. But these guys are playing, it's like four or five towns all together that send their best players and they play for this team. And typically, like Coquitlam, for example, they're, you're playing from the peewees all the way up to 23, 24 post-college. Like you're, right. you can play this your entire life for this town if you never move. Um, so it's a lot of people that have come up through their farm system, have known a lot of people in the community and the community really supports them. Like I've never seen anything like it. They, they, you can kind of relate it to like Friday night football and, in, in down in the South. Um, but it's, it's insane. So coming in as an outsider, it's like, I'm sitting in that locker room, getting to know some of the guys, but it's like, these guys obviously played together. So it's, you can see there's a little bit of favoritism just a tiny bit with the American guy or with the, the Canadian guys, just because of familiarity. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of step on the floor and you kind of show what you can do, like, the coaches are high enough at that level where it's like, if you're better, they're not really going to bench you because you're an American guy and you don't really know what you're doing. But if, if you can beat physically beat somebody out, you're going to get your playing time and earn that respect. Yeah. From I the, was going to say it's a lot of, I mean, just like you said, earning that respect, right. As long as, long as you can prove yourself, you feel that, like it's, it's pretty open in terms of being able to, to get that shot. Yeah. The Canadians, I mean, by all means they get more opportunities than Americans because they've been playing Canadian box across all their lives. So their names have been in circles. They know more. It's that it's honestly really a networking thing for guys who are trying to get into the NLL. Mm -hmm. It's really comes down to to building out your network of Canadian coaches, Canadian players, scouts, things like that. Um, So they're going to get more of the opportunities just because they know those people. and, And it's not like the NFL where there's scouts scouring everywhere you're typically finding people that you know, or people it's word of mouth where it really comes down to it. But like when I joined the wings, I didn't really feel any of that kind of outsider minority piece of it, mainly because the wings have a decent amount of Americans. So it's like blaze um, Rambo IDA. I feel like I'm missing another one. I feel like we have mo- more Americans on our team than any other. Granted we, I think we are even the oldest team as well but even like benny mack lives in 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 uh like downingtown area like right outside in the suburbs yeah so it's like we didn't i didn't really feel the minority pieces of it there especially because rambo ida blaze oh trevor baptiste um being such big names like you kind of you can't have that 
dynamic in the locker room. So I walked in the locker room. Everyone was super nice, super helpful. Like Rezzy. Oh, Rezzy as well. Why did I forget Rezzy Terrence? Like a Buffalo guy. Or no, is he Canadian? No, he's American. He's American. Yeah. I'm trying to play with him at Team USA. Um, <laughs> so it's like the, everybody's like immediately steps up. Like, hey, this is a business. We're here to win. So like if you're on our team, we want to help you get caught up to speed. And that's what everybody tried to like essentially was doing for me to, like, as soon as I jumped on. As well as like, hey, let's talk through how can we beat so-and-so. Let's let's watch film together and figure out what we're going to do against them. If, if I'm getting in, what am I going to do? Like when I first got that tap to play, I was talking to Benny and, and Rezzy. And it's like, all right, like, what do you guys need me to do? And pretty much the thing was like, dude, just play play your game. Like play lacrosse. Like you, you know what you're doing. That's why you're here. Like don't overthink it, especially being the first game. They knew I was going to be nervous. So it's like you don't really see too much of it at the NLL level, at least within the wings. I can't speak for any of the, the other organizations. I'm assuming it's the same for Colorado. My little brother hasn't really mentioned anything uh, about the minority aspect of it, of American versus Canadian, but. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm not that I'm trying to look for negative by any means, but I want to, I want to just report all aspects of, of the NLL and the game in general. And I have to say, it's, it's nice to, to continue to hear that it's just really at the end of the day about the sport, right? It's not about like the semantics. It's not about the theatrics. It's, you know, it's not about like, I mean, at the end of the day, it still is about money, but it's still not the forefront, right? I feel like most of the people that we talk to, it's really about the sport. And it's just, it's cool to be witnessing that and getting to talk to people like you who, who are, you know, living out their dreams. So yeah, getting, I, getting the opportunity is probably the hardest part. And that's, like I said earlier, like it's going to come down to your network being an American, unless you can get to Canada. And it's like that, like, if you just graduated from college, you don't have a job yet, and you want to pursue the NLL, try to get up to Canada. Some of the teams can help you find a spot. Like uh, Coquitlam had a house that they put a bunch of the the traveling guys in. A lot of the people have like under the table jobs that they can work. Like if you can get up there and play and essentially get that experience and make a little bit of a name for yourself, that's going to show up on the NLL coaches and scouts like lens a lot faster then you're just trying to hit them up or going to uh, like a, tr- uh, a trial camp or one of the combines. Like that's the one thing I wish I did and understood when I first graduated college is just get up to Canada. Yeah. I love it. And, and that's, you know, advice for anybody, right. Who was trying to, trying to pursue that same path that you took. So I, I know we could continue to talk for <laughs> the rest of the day about this. Um, and I know that you're you're coming back, right? We're gonna have you on, you know, plenty more episodes. So I, I appreciate you. Down. Yeah, we definitely gotta have you back. Uh, excited to to you know watch your journey through you know the rest of the NLL and uh, and also Team USA and all that stuff. Hopefully, uh, we can get some some coverage for you there. Um, but is there anything else you kind of want to shout out or or plug before we hop off here? Um. I do need to correct Tucker, and I, I know that he left when he was talking about the AHM over at Ratatine. The field that it, it is on is not a con- concentration camp. It is an old, um, like, office building where they did drills. So, like, okay. when he goes over there, he, they have pictures of, like, Nazis doing drill, like, line drills, yeah. like, marching drills out front in where this this box has been, like, this barn has kind of been created, but gorgeous gorgeous place highly recommend get out we have to keep tucker honest he has a big head as it is so hey he hasn't he hasn't been out there yet right this is no he's going in the fall yeah Yeah, he's going in the fall he's not going in april 
No, he's he, going to the fall. Oh, he's missing the good one. The I big know, one's I know. It just happens with coaching and all that. So. Yeah, that's true. But, that's true. Yeah, I, I've gone two years. This is the second year I've missed it. Obviously, being on L roster, yeah. I can't make Got to make a sacrifice. Right. Whenever I retire, I'll be back at the AHM. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe we can put a team together uh, down the road here and, and get out there. Definitely down for that, yeah. Hell yeah. All right, well, George, appreciate your time. Um, you know, super excited to have you on, and and thanks for, for being here with us today. Yeah, appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up.